Uni Taster Days proudly presents The Uni Guide For students, parents and teachers This is the guidance podcast you need to support you With all things about university Welcome back to the Uni Guide podcast We're really looking forward to this episode It's a special one I must say this episode comes with a warning, you will be inspired and informed by the content of this, especially if you're making decisions around applying for medicine yourself, or maybe you're supporting someone who might be. It's going to feature a familiar voice that's given us many pearls of wisdom and guidance all the way through this series, and that would be Leah, Leah Brooks, as we explore her journey into medicine and university, of course. But before we find out about Leah's story, I'm going to welcome back my trusty co-host, the one and only John Cheek of Uni Taster Days. John, welcome. Hi, Tim. Hi, Leah. Uh, really well. Thank you. The sun is shining. I'm, I'm talking now with sun in my eyes. This is very nice, but hello to you both. Welcome back, John. Great to have you with us as always. And let's welcome our special guest today, and that is Leah Brooks. I should say, welcome back to the Uni Guide. Uh, Leah, you're in your fourth year at University of Sheffield studying medicine. Um, you're obviously part of our student panel. But first of all, just like to say a warm welcome back to the Uni Guide. Great to have you with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, so as been said, my name's Leah. I'm a fourth year medical student currently at the University of Sheffield, meaning that I've only got one year left before I go off to be a doctor, which is very exciting, but very scary. <laughs> I go by the name Wellness Medic on the social media, and that's because I talk about a lot of things, including medicine, but predominantly mental health, talking about my lived experiences of anxiety and depression and I also talk non-stop about being a widening participation student and how much that really means to me and how much I value widening participation into, into all degrees not just medicine but obviously with my journey it's held a special place in my heart. I do lots of other things as well including like you said a voice in the UniGuide podcast you may have heard before and then I do other things including being the COO of Future Frontline and other little random things as well. <laughs> Wow, I don't know how you fit it all in, do you, John? Absolutely no idea, but uh, Leah, you are a force for good, so continue doing it. Uh, my, I'll start with my first question, Leah, which kind of links to what you just said, but it'll be nice to find out more. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and why you do it? Yeah, of course. So, like I said, I'm a medical student, and that was a very long journey in itself, coming to that decision to study medicine. I went to one of the lowest 10% socioeconomic areas that was where my school was I was a first generation university student and I'll be honest I was also just didn't know much about medicine I, I didn't have, know anyone in the field um, or anything like that and I think that fueled a lot of my what I do now in the future but at the time I just remember not really knowing much about it and also not really feeling worthy enough because I did get sucked into the stereotypes that medical students are a certain type of person and they have to come from a certain school and a certain education and all of these things and I think that was one of the things that originally put me off medicine for a long while because I didn't feel that I fit the brief of what a medical student is. Thank you Leah and we'll unpack some of those thoughts um, as we go through the episode because you're really open about talking about your journey and your, your story aren't you? I managed to get onto medicine through a widening access scheme and now I spend a lot of time on social media talking about my journey because I think there's a lot of people out there that were like me that have gone through similar journeys and perhaps can feel quite lonely because I don't think it's spoke about enough both being a widening participation student and also being a student with lived mental health experiences. Leah 
one answer and loads of questions that, that I've got now coming from that. So thank you so much. Um, super inspiring. So the, the first one is probably based on your answer there, why medicine? So so you you you've kind of overcome every barrier imaginable to study medicine and you you're nearly there in terms of finishing. But wh why did you do it in the first place? Yeah, so right back to the beginning, I would say probably year 11, I had sat my GCSEs and I absolutely loved science, loved biology, but I love science, it's a bit of a lie, I hated chemistry and I will always hate chemistry, but I did love biology and I loved learning about the human body and I thought to myself at that time I wanted to be a biology teacher because I loved biology and I loved helping people and so that was the only thing I really knew about because I had a biology teacher and that was about as close as I knew to anyone in science. Went down that route for a while and then my originally there was a discussion with my head teacher that was just kind of like have you ever considered anything in healthcare because you always talk about how you want to help people and I was like yeah well I, I don't really know much about it Obviously, I'd love to do some things sort of in healthcare, but I don't really feel clever enough to do that. But I picked my A-levels very open to give me those opportunities. So I picked biology. I begrudgingly picked chemistry and I went and picked maths as well. And it wasn't until I, because I also worked part-time job during my A-levels. What was the job you did, Leah? And it was at a coffee shop and I used to work there every weekend. And I had a regular customer who would come in and order the same coffee every weekend so I knew him very well and I learned that he was an anaesthetist and I needed work experience so I managed to pluck up the courage to swap a free coffee for a week on the wards and that was just so enlightening for me and it was such a moment where I remember just being like wow like this is this is incredible I, I could really be there for people during moments of vulnerability and provide that comfort and even if all I can provide at the time is a smile or just someone they feel they can talk to like that would be enough for me and that would be something that I really want to do but then at the same time it was terrifying realizing that because I was so scared of applying to medicine and I was so scared of being a medical student applicant so it was that very much a mixture at the time of like oh I'd love to do this but also I'm terrified of making that decision um but it was so worth it and I just knew I wanted to you can't always put a smile on someone's face but you can be that person that they know on the wards, even if it's not happy, a uh, happy moment for them. I really felt like I wanted to be that person that could be there for them. Cause I'm an incredibly emotional person and I wanted to give that into people that were going through tough times. And that's still how I feel now. And, you, and Leah, you can hear that completely coming across in your voice as, you, as you're talking. So linked to that. So we touched before and said about that you were what, what we call a widening participation student, which, which basically for any listeners that aren't aware of what that means, means a, a student that is from perhaps a, a group that's underrepresented at, at university and and certainly and Leo will tell us more about this in a second certainly underrepresented in medicine um definitely so in, in terms of kind of your journey given that you were from a widening participation background what what additional support did you have from school and from ultimately university and, and the university of sheffield which is where you went on to apply to so i remember originally applying for medicine and at the time, I, I guess, and it still shows the barriers I think that we need to work on. At the time, I thought I had a lot of support. But you look back at what other people who perhaps went to different schools and their level of support was obviously very different during the application process. But I was very lucky to be given opportunities for amazing people that I had around me at the time. So my biology teacher, for example, she 
she didn't know much about the process. She was very much like me. And we, we did use the powers of Google, I'm afraid. It was very simple. How to apply to medicine, how to go through medical school interviews. But that was the best we kind of had it. And she really put her time into finding as much information as she could. I found as much information. We would just sit down and talk about the process, talk about the personal statement, talk about the interview process. And as much as at the time we couldn't get much from learning how to prepare for medicine, I think it was very much that moral support that I had that I was very grateful for. And then the widening access program that I was on was called um, Realising Opportunities. They did run some great things for not just medicine, for um, all different degrees. So we got to do like University Open Day, but they did also run a free UCAT course, which was really helpful at the time because UCAT courses are expensive, stupidly expensive. And I, I don't agree with them at all being price at any price but it was very good I was very grateful that the realizing opportunities program did run a free course for us to attend for that so that was kind of the basis and then just people around me trying to using the powers of google to hopefully get me through <laughs> so just touch on the support you had like from school and and luckily you had the support of a teacher that that even though perhaps a teacher I'd imagine would freely admit they weren't that aware of what the process was mm -hmm. but if that teacher looking back didn't take such an interest in you and your potential career in medicine what do you reckon would have been the outcome oh I wouldn't have applied full stop she was so instrumental in providing that support for me and I think I, I was also very lucky to have a very supportive family but I think having a support from a teacher a professional in that environment that wasn't a family member so I couldn't put it down to pity or love or emotional connection she was just a teacher that really cared about me and she saw the potential that I could go on to do it when I had very little confidence in myself so she was always going to be there for me to kind of debrief with and because as much as I think the application process to medicine there are certain things you you need to know in terms of the interviews and the UCAT a lot of it just being able to have someone to talk to that has a, a brief idea of what the process is like and how grueling it is and going through that and A-levels at the same time is very stressful. And just knowing that she understood that for me and I could come back and be like, oh, I just had came back from that interview and it was really stressful and it was really scary. Now I've got my biology exam next week and I'm really stressed. And just someone being like, I know this is a really stressful time, but you should be so proud of yourself. And it, it really just made the whole process way more smoother. And I really felt that support. And I think like I said previously, there's a difference in support you could get from a family member where someone like me with an anxious brain could put that down to, well, they're your family, they have to say that. But then having it from a teacher, it, it just makes a massive difference. It really built my confidence. The power eh, of um, any teachers listening, it just shows the, the massive influence you have. And, and God, that teacher must be so proud of you. Still keep in contact now. She is just absolutely amazing. <laughs> Which is brilliant, life changing. I can see, um, yeah, you might be the face of a teacher training advert in the in the in the future. Leah. You mentioned about the barriers in terms of like knowledge when it came to medicine and finding out about medicine, but but one big barrier will be probably grades, given that you wouldn't have anywhere near the support in school that that students would. You know, say, say for example, if a student is is for, go, goes for example to a private school they're going to have a lot more support when it comes to the support because they've probably got a lot of students that have been through the journey to become you know a doctor or, or study in medicine but also in terms of grades they're probably going to get you know the, the class sizes will be smaller the resources might be better 
So did you have any any support in terms of the, the grades that would usually be required to study at Sheffield in relation to what, what you did? Yeah, definitely. Um, so that was through the scheme that I was on, realising opportunities. I had to complete, and I can't remember off the top of my head, there was like a checklist of things you had to do, whether it was go to an open day and attend their, their courses that they did. And I also had to write an extended project, which was a big essay of my choice. And that was what allowed me to get a reduced offer to study medicine. The, uh, most offers for medicine typically are ASAAA or AAA. Mine were reduced to either AAB, ABB or BBB. <laughs> so that's quite drastic in a way um, and a big reduction. I, I think people don't realise that there are, you don't have to be a, a straight ASAR student to study medicine and I also just want to make a point touching on that actually that for any students that are worried in the same way that I was that well if I'm not getting the normal grades then I can't be a good enough med student that it's completely different once you go to university and you'll find actually my I'm sure people won't mind saying but my grades are higher than some people that may have got higher A-levels than me and that's just because the playing field it's been equaled out you're all getting the same level of education and um, so I just wanted to pop that in there because I, I think that was my biggest worry when I got my contextual offer was well, what does that mean that they're, they're lowering the, the barrier for me because I'm not clever enough and we've just said that it's absolutely not the case it's down to not having the same levels of support to, of the majority of people that are applying to medicine. Leah we were talking off air before the show and it was 80% of applicants come from 20% of schools and obviously 7% of schools are private schools these days. I think that just highlights the need for more of these access programs and the benefit that they can bring and certainly I wouldn't have got in if it wasn't for that because I didn't reach the grades that would have been needed. Great to hear Leah and we absolutely need more of these access courses and I think your point you know raises the importance of contextual offers where students are offered from universities uh, lower entry requirements due to the fact that the majority of students who traditionally apply for these courses are coming from more privileged backgrounds and it's really interesting that you say you know once you once you're at university um, you are outscoring peers from more privileged backgrounds so it isn't about ability it's about opportunity and it's about you know from a it's, it's from a social justice point of view really so thanks for sharing that Leah. Yeah to get to this point you you've overcome so much and so actually it's yeah again I'll kind of touch on it at start but but just shows how how fantastically well you do. With that Tim um, I, I think I've grilled you enough Leah that's so interesting um, I'll pass to I'll pass over to Tim. Yeah, thanks, John. I, I just wanted to kind of pick up on that on that last point a little bit. I'm, I've been focusing on skills. I mean, we we say in schools and colleges and universities, you know, the importance of evidence in your your skills, and you certainly had a lot of them. And maybe reflect on the fact that you you kind of touched on the fact that you were suffering a little bit of imposter syndrome um, when you got your reduced offer. The fact that you you didn't know anyone from the medical background as well, and obviously you've shown that you have the ability. But I just want you to think back to now you're in your fourth year to the younger person, you were you were showing some of those skills, weren't you? I mean, your resilience, your communication skills, you were serving your coffees and, and then your customer was coming in who was anaesthetist and you're like, right, I'm going to get my um, I'll get my work experience through that. And then you had that experience and you grew and you had setbacks and you, you've touched on things like mental health, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, I just, I just wanted to kind of capture some of your thoughts there on basically looking back the younger Leah had a lot of skills maybe she wasn't aware of them as much but maybe there's a message there I don't know I just want to kind of not put words in your mouth but just want to see what you think there 
Yeah, I just think it's so, it's interesting actually, because when I, even now, being 100% honest, I look back and I, I feel like, did I, was I really resilient or did I just, and again, that, that imposter syndrome, I do think that is something that is the disadvantage that comes with the advantage of the widening participation community. I am so proud to be a widening participation student in medicine. I'm so proud to be where I am with the background that I have, but there was definitely a lot of imposter syndrome there and it really is something that continues and I think it's okay to to address that and to realize that you are going to feel like that to a certain extent because the people around you aren't they, they might not be from the same background as you or it you might not be that old school medical student but that is absolutely okay that is and certainly for me I want my healthcare professionals to understand where I come from and what I'm saying and kind of be that that person not to be such a massive divide and you can see that change coming and it does take a lot of resilience and in terms of just even generally with all medical school applicants the, the first thing I say when students say to me I'm applying to medicine is like congratulations like well done because even just making I do feel like as a winding participation student you might be the only person in your school I know I was the only person in my school applying and it's really scary because you don't feel like necessarily you have that self-doubt of should I, should someone like me be doing something like this? And that is really scary, but you go off and do it and it's the best decision. I always just say to people, well done for making that decision and saying it out loud because it is scary and it is daunting and you're going on a journey and you do have more barriers to face, but there is so much support out there like the widening access programmes but ultimately, the biggest support you have and the biggest credit, I think, that students should give themselves is themselves because they're the ones that are driving themselves through it, whether they have loads of support from loads of different areas. It's them that are pushing themselves through, that are looking at Googling how to do a medical school interview or Googling how to choose a medical school. That is all on you. And that mental pressure whilst doing A-levels, whilst being a widening participation student, it's just it's a huge deal and you should just be so no matter which way it goes whether you get into medicine whether you don't get into medicine you should just be so proud of putting your goals first and for saying it out loud this is what I want to do and I'm going to go for it no matter what amazing I can't wait to hear more on Leah's journey join us after this short break for part two where we'll be asking Leah about the kind of application process from a student's point of view parents and also teachers in terms of supporting young people when they're making decisions about university, but also medicine as well. So Leah, looking back to, to school and, and touching on like the, the support schools provide, kind of talking to two people, say, I don't know, Paul is interested in studying medicine, but he's from a school where, where no one goes on to medicine and, and he doesn't know where to, where to look. And you've also got a teacher, I won't give a traditional stereotypical teacher's name, but the say a teacher is also it also works with Paul and is trying to think of how they can best support Paul do you mind just giving us some tips for Paul himself thinking about studying medicine and perhaps not getting that much support from his school but also the teacher in the school that really wants to help Paul but doesn't really know how to and um, so definitely firstly with our student Paul first thing I would say is that nowadays social media is a gem you can find so many, I don't want to use the cringy word of medfluencers, but so many medical students who have social media pages now 
that would be more than happy to spend time talking you through their journey, their process, any tips they have, things like that. That's something that I didn't really think about at the time when I was applying, but it's definitely now something that I think is definitely worth doing. It's a brilliant point. Uh, any questions that you can think of, Leah, that would be good to ask them? Just ask about entry process or how they found the UCAT. Ask about all the, I say in quotes, silly little questions in terms of how do they find medicine? Do they enjoy medicine? What's the uni like? All of these different questions. I do find that you can get a lot of these answers from open days, but the best responses you're going to get are those sort of, I'll call them unfiltered responses from the people going through it themselves. And that is definitely something that he, a Paul, a old student would be able to benefit from because the majority of us are really friendly and we want to help and medical students want to help the future of medicine and it's so easy as well nowadays to drop someone an instagram message you know so looking on there's some great pages like the medic portal they're free resources and a high highlight this only use the free resources paid resources are not worth it only use the free resources don't waste your money i know especially being in the background like of where's on my upbringing that i didn't really have the money to spend on these ridiculously expensive courses nor would I promote them to anyone because there's so many great free resources out there. Nice more brilliant advice Leah and we'll be putting them some of them in the show notes. Um, what about in terms of maybe a teacher's perspective how they can support that young person applying? In terms of the teacher I think there's two things that the teacher can do and there's two areas to focus on and that is both the academic but also the mental and the personal side. From an academic perspective, what you can do is realise how process is exceptionally different to a, say, let's say an English degree, in the sense that likely the English degree applicant will have all of their offers for university and be making decisions about their next three years, whilst the medical school applicant wouldn't have heard from any universities at all yet. And that is really tough for the student and I think just having an idea of okay roughly I don't think they're changing next year but when do the personal statements need to be sent off and then a brief idea of what a medical personal statement looks like because essentially everything that you do for medicine is the same as other degrees but medicine specific so a personal statement for English might just be focusing on a general criteria including your hobbies and things like that, and your extracurriculars, a medical personal statement will be medicine specific. Why medicine? Why does this relate to medicine? Everything sort of narrowed down onto that medical point. And then interviews, you can help them so much with interviews because you don't, they don't need to be the most in-depth questions. Put five minutes at the end of a class, even less to put your student on the spot and say, you say if you know they're applying to university x and be like why do you want to go to university x and just getting them used to being on the spot with those questions and they are really simple questions things like how do you cope with stress and what do you why do you want to study medicine at, at this university just little questions like that you could like pop in it wouldn't add any extra time and it would bring so much to the student on another note that mental personal side is really important like I said earlier all of their friends will be making arrangements for university thinking about oh I'm going to be living here in eight months or whatever and you've got the poor little med student that hasn't even heard back from their even if they've even got an interview let alone an offer and that can be really draining mentally and it can be really hard and just checking in it, it, it sounds really silly but just checking in 
and also being aware that medicine is really competitive and the chances of getting in aren't always in your favor and if they don't get in just being aware of giving them that support and having that discussion with them that it is really competitive and it's not on them so I think that is something that I hear a lot is that a lot of students feel that because it was an interview that they didn't get through on it must be on me and my character and my personality and that's not the case it is essentially interviews are a tick box and it's very specific to each university and I think just having that conversation with them and giving them the confidence and saying it's not you it's not a case of this isn't on who you are we know you're a student that's x y and z kind compassionate etc and just understanding that and being there for them and being that friendly face that they know they can contact if they need it because not everyone does have a supportive system at home and to go through such a tough time whilst doing A-levels and to not have that support is really difficult. So Leah, a lot of listeners are going to be listening to this and just so inspired and, and perhaps are wondering actually for you, what's next? So coming up in terms of, of your journey, you're in your final year now and you, you mentioned at the start, it's very daunting, perhaps hopefully not too stressful, but well, it will be stressful, but what, what's next what's your like you you obviously you know overcame barriers to study medicine but but what's next for you afterwards yeah so it's still shocking to think that this time next year I'll be kind of getting ready to go on the wards as a doctor as opposed to a shy little student in the corner I'll actually have to introduce myself as the doctor so because that is the plan obviously to go off and do my foundation training I'll be a junior doctor the end goal for me at the moment it changes a lot but I know it it needs to be mental it needs to have a mental health basis so psychiatry has been a big one for me for a long while but also GP because I find that a lot of people come into GP um, for a physical problem and then actually there's an underlying mental health issue and I really enjoy kind of having these conversations with patients that perhaps wouldn't have thought about their mental health in the past and being like actually this could be something that we should be discussing and I've, I've had the privilege of being able to do that on my GP placement at the moment and kind of having a, the story that I think will stay with me because it really touches me is that I had a lovely patient come in to talk about a physical health problem and then I asked him could your mental health be related to this and he essentially called me a snowflake and then by the end of it by the end of that conversation he turned around and ended up actually going to uh, seek some mental some talking therapy for his mental health which was just a really rewarding so definitely a toss-up at the moment between GP and psychiatry and then doing something else on the side mental health related probably as well. Leah I'm just really interested to ask um, if you look back to when you were starting as a medical student obviously in your fourth year now what do you think was the biggest surprise as a younger person when studying medicine just interested to get your thoughts? I think every time I surprise myself by my own level of confidence in the sense that I have always been quite shy in the sense of didn't really trust my knowledge very much, worried that people would see me as perhaps that a, a bit stupid, not very clever. But yet somehow I've gone from kind of very openly kind of when I was applying to medicine, very much feeling like that, but pushing on, but making it very clear that I felt quite stupid to now as an undergraduate student and I was thinking about this today I still have those doubts in my head but I'm able to run my own clinics for example at GP and I, I, I'm able to call people in and have conversations about their medical needs and their moments of sincere vulnerability and 
that for me also is a huge privilege that someone can feel like they can open up to me about things that are so personal and vulnerable to them as a student as well not even as the doctor and it just shocks my own level how much my confidence has grown to be able to not just feel like I can take on these conversations but actually feel like I can hopefully make a difference in that short amount of time that I have with the patient and that's something I never thought I would have the ability to be able to do to make a difference to someone that's something I always struggled with at school feeling like I, I had very low self-worth and I, I still do to a certain extent but now I'm noticing the changes and actually feeling proud of myself I'm a lot more proud of myself than I was as a student before I came to med school. Yeah well I just want to kind of ask if there's a young person who is feeling the same things that you did and you may still do you know you've got to write a personal statement you've got to talk about yourself you've got to reflect on your skills and, and as you say it's a little bit different to other other courses I just want to kind of capture anything you can pass on to maybe younger students thinking of applying to medicine and university mm. yeah so one thing I, w- I would say because the personal statement is a very stressful document and it feels that immense embarrassment that I'm, I'm having to basically say that I'm the most amazing person ever and you should take me at your university because I'm absolutely fabulous and that can be really difficult for some people like how I felt at the time that felt like actually I don't have a lot to offer I don't really feel that special so what I would recommend and if it's helpful to do it with a parent as well or a friend or someone you trust is just take, and this can also help just if you're in any situation where you're struggling with your sort of your self-worth and things like that is just write a list of a very or you can be on a piece of paper, it can be on, on a Word document, but I'd recommend something that you can see as opposed to doing it in your head. Write a list of every single thing that you're proud of that you've achieved, no matter how big or small. Now, when I say that, I say that I'm trying to push the point of it doesn't have to be academic. So it could be something as simple as I was able to make a really nice pasta dish the other night, and I'm really proud of that pasta dish. And then it could also be, oh, I got a B in my French exam and I'm, I'm really proud of that B it can be everything scope the whole thing no matter there's nothing too small if you're proud of it put it on that piece of paper and then just take a moment to read it whether that's with yourself or with someone else read it out loud if it feels better and realize you've got so much to talk about that you should be proud of and if you should be proud of it you should be telling people about it now I'm not saying you write on your personal statement that you can make a cracking pasta dish But what I am saying is realise how much you have to offer both as a person and as a student and then begin to separate it and think to yourself, how do these skills show that I would be a good medical student? It doesn't have to be, because I know, especially as a widening participation student, I'm incredibly privileged to have been able to get that um, hospital work experience, but by all means, you don't need it. So a big part of my personal statement was actually talking about my job at a coffee shop and all of the skills that I was able to get from being at a coffee shop that would make me a great medical student. So things like communication skills and dealing with difficult customers and those things. And you'll be surprised how much of that you'll do at school or on your football team or at your, I don't know, maybe you do an art class. And I think a big part of the personal statement is if you can talk about something passionately, if you have a passion about something and you can convert it into your passion for medicine, and say how that passion in something, whether that's drawing or reading or football, whatever it is, how those skills you get from your passion can relate to medicine, which you're passionate about. And you're going to have so much to write about because you'll be writing about something you're passionate about. 
and we all know how much easier that is than something that we're not so that's what I would say make that list of everything you're proud of and then take the time build up your confidence realize how incredible you are and then begin the personal statement it's so much easier when you've got words to take out than words to put in that brings us to the end of part two join us after a short break for part three where we'll be sharing hints tips and resources from Leah's journey Welcome back to part three of the Unigad. We are with Leah Brooks, the amazing Leah Brooks, and discussing her journey into medicine. John, you've got a question. So, Leah, you're involved in absolutely loads. And do you mind, do you mind just telling us a little bit about what you're involved in outside of a medicine course, which is probably the, the most intensive course you could possibly do? Yeah, so I do quite a few things and I would recommend anyone that goes into medicine is to, to do things on the side. You have to and it might feel like you don't have time, but you'll make the time for things you're passionate about. And you need to have that release. You need to do things outside of medicine. So I do quite a few things. Leah, can you tell us about your involvement with Future Frontline? Because that's another um, place that where people can get resources for medicine, isn't it? I So I do... I work for Future Frontline, I'm the COO, the fancy term, but essentially I help run a non-for-profit um, which works at sort of inspiring and supporting the next generation of, and the current generation of healthcare professionals. And basically highlighting to everyone from school to working professionals, all the different members of the um, multidisciplinary team in healthcare. So basically highlighting all these incredible roles that don't get the recognition they deserve, such as drama therapists, music therapists, um, or like or podiatrists there's so many different kind of careers we try and highlight that isn't just the typical medicine or nursing we basically just offer as many free resources for as many different healthcare students and aspiring students and healthcare professionals as we can completely free of charge with the hopes of providing that support that I find really important for the future we just run our first conference which was really fun and that's completely free and it was a really brilliant opportunity to get people all different healthcare degrees together discussing learning about each other and about each other's professions and so inspiring to see because we're trying to break down that hierarchy in healthcare that unfortunately seems to there is this stigmatized hierarchy which just shouldn't be the case and we can all learn from each other brilliant please do check that out listeners future frontline um you're also a power for good on your socials aren't you um, I also have my Instagram as well, um, Wellness Medic, which I started shortly after taking time out of medicine for mental health, where I talk very much all about my own mental health journey, um, just with the hopes of basically being a friendly face and just hoping that someone else that might be having a bad day can see that that's perfectly normal and mental health can happen to anyone and it, it's okay and you can still do lots of things on the side. So and you can still have a life and it's important to prioritise your mental health in medicine. So that's a big part of what I do. I've done some work with UCAS as well, kind of focusing on that and talking about mental health when applying to medicine and health in medicine. I do lots of other little things as well. You touched then, Leah, on um, on something, and, and only please share if you're willing to do so, but you, you, you touched there on your own mental health and, and having a, a period of time away. Do you mind just giving us a bit more information on that for any students that, that perhaps are studying medicine at the moment, but perhaps some students actually that that are considering medicine but are very worried about you know, how they'll cope mentally during the, the program yeah absolutely so i definitely neglected my mental health during university for the first couple of years and i think that was because i didn't want to address what i already had i think i was already struggling with anxiety and imposter syndrome 
quite heavily before I came into medical school and then came to medical school and was like very aware I still had it but I was like can't think like that because I'm a medical student and can't have a mental illness and all of these silly stereotypes that I'd conjured up in my head so it was pushed back for a long while I went through a lot of stress with sort of exams and things like that and there was a lot of pressure I'd put on myself and then with the COVID lockdown sort of being isolated away from sort of the people around me my friends my family while sitting exams at the same time it was just a very dark time for me sort of that's when I got depressed and I had to sit exams basically and I passed my exams very well but the first thing that was kind of said to me after that was um by the university was well how, how could you do better and that was a really difficult time for me I think because I was trying to build my confidence at the time and it definitely didn't come it wasn't meant to come from a bad place from my university at all I think it was just very badly worded but that was definitely the catalyst that started me going downhill when I started placement and I was quite severely depressed and I had quite severe anxiety I just realized like I couldn't carry on that way I, I couldn't be the best medical student I could be and I couldn't be the best version of myself at the same time whilst being in the state and having no coping strategies and no resources so it came to that decision at that time that I because I couldn't focus on my mental health and medicine at the same time I took some time out of university uh, about 10 months of, of university out um, to focus on that to get some help to get some talk therapy I started antidepressants and just worked a lot on myself and kind of built up my confidence and realized that I was worthy of these things that were coming my way and I was worthy of opportunities and worthy of being a medical student and just the biggest advice that I would give to people both in medicine currently and applying to medicine is seek out support seek out support as soon as you can there's no there's nothing wrong with it it's not a weakness it, it doesn't mean you're not worthy to be there because that was my first thought well if I need help then I must be a bad med student and that's that's not the case at all the mind can really put you in a certain place and make you think you're someone that you're not and so definitely just, just reach out for help and reach out for support and then parents as well if you notice any of these signs don't feel afraid to have that conversation with your child same for teachers if, if you feel like they're the child that needs that extra support or you think they might be suffering with anxiety or depression don't be afraid and don't leave it. Don't leave it to manifest and to get worse and to spiral. Be brave and have that conversation. And then you might be surprised that your child or the child might open up and say, actually, I've been hoping someone would speak to me. Leah, the, the most probably important question that comes from that is, how are you now? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I'm getting there. I am doing everything I can. And I, I don't put my hands up and say that I ha I'm completely good every day. I definitely still have. I'm still on antidepressants. I'm still recovering from depression. I still have anxiety, but I have coping strategies in place now. And I say that because I put on a very happy, I, I am very happy 90% of the time. And I'd like to think that I come across quite happy and jolly. But like anyone I, I still have days where I struggle with my depression and I cry and I feel really low or I have days where I'm ridiculously anxious and everything just feels really intense but also I know now that I can get over it I know I'm so much more than that mental illness well and obviously incredibly resilient Leah so good on you um, and the, the final question I've, I've got the link to that though is, is just how 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 supportive were it was the University of Sheffield in your case when when you kind of recognise that, that you needed more support? 
they were they were really excellent um i was very grateful for the support actually because i think at the time i remember they were the first ones to bring up a leave of absence and i was quite I was so kind of in my little what I called my my depression head I was so kind of focused on just how I felt and that every the world was against me that I just thought that was their way of saying I wasn't good enough to be a medical student and they wanted to kick me out the door which obviously wasn't the case they wanted me to get some help but they were so supportive on that and they still are now and they, they check in now it's not a case of I've just been kind of left off of it even though I came back to medicine over a year ago there's well-being support in place as well that I can drop into at any point that I need to and I, I'd like to think that's the same for the majority of universities as well they are they have a all medical schools will have a student affairs support service that you can reach out to I'm very grateful that the ones at Sheffield I felt very comfortable being able to open up about what was going on and I think some medical students can feel that kind of fear of well what if they end up wanting to kick me out of the course because of what I say or what if this breaches my right to practice or things like that and I definitely would say still speak to them it's not they're not going to do that they're not going to just kick you off the course because you tell them you're struggling they're going to give you so many different options for help and support and if you do need to take that time off then I can tell you and that is absolutely okay and you'll be absolutely fine every single podcast we try and finish with the same question and that's knowing what you do now what three things would you tell your younger self about university that it's okay to be on your own I think I was very scared at first about I was so scared of being lonely that I would end up being more lonely and you go from perhaps being around your family all the time to then sort of living very differently in student halls so something I say it's absolutely okay to be on your own you can be on your own and not lonely and that's fine it's just a very different way of living second thing I would say about university it uh, to my younger self is absolutely don't feel like you need to start running into studying straight away because you're worried you're not good enough um for the first few months of university everyone is just settling in you know there's so much completely different both educationally and you're in a new city and all these different things and you can get very especially as a, a new fresh med student you feel like you need to jump straight into studying and straight into the library and it's absolutely not the case take that time for yourself and take the time to settle in and I guess I'd just say also to her that it's gonna have ups and downs and that's okay there are going to be times where it feels pretty rubbish and you feel really stressed but there's also going to be times where you will absolutely love it and you would never question why you've had doubts about medicine in the past because you know you're going to go off and be a doctor and that's what you want more than anything but having doubts are absolutely normal and it's okay and it doesn't mean that you're not good enough for younger people listening thinking of applying to medicine i'm just thinking about opportunities to get that experience um because it can be tricky uh, we've mentioned the access courses we've mentioned future frontline please do check them out um maybe maybe some thoughts on some summer schools or anything you're kind of aware of or promoting at the moment for our listeners would be great to share i know future frontline we're starting to run our next gen program that's coming to place in September and essentially that's not so much work experience but it's going to be looking at the different mem- basically highlighting different members of healthcare professionals within um within the MDT to younger students that's not really work experience it's more of just giving them different ideas about different right. areas of healthcare please do check out those links you heard it here first 
Leah, I'd just like to say thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for being so candid and for sharing your story. I'm just going to pass you on to, to John to close the, the podcast. Thanks again. It's so great to hear about your journey. You should be so proud of, of what you achieve and, and take stock of it. Like someone said to me once, like rather as humans, we're always striving for excellence all the time, but sometimes we don't just take stock, sit where we are and think, you know what? I've achieved so much and you have, so you should be so proud of yourself. And thank you so much for being part of this podcast. And thank you so much for being on our UniGuide podcast. No, that's great. Thank you. You're a superstar. You've been listening to the UniGuide, the university guidance podcast, which supports students, parents, and teachers with all things university. If you've got any comments, questions, suggestions, or absolutely anything else, get in touch with us using info at unitasterbase.com. But until then, please do stay tuned like, share, give us a follow and we look forward to seeing you soon.